Welcome. Good morning, everyone. I'm Tim Harris, pastor of Woodburn Baptist Church. Uh, welcome to worship in the overflow this morning. Uh, God bless you. Thank you for worshiping with us. You are very much a part of this service. We want you to open your Bibles with us now to Luke chapter 1. Luke 1. Perry, Oklahoma, God bless you. Pastor Brian, we love you so much. Uh, if you're listening to this sermon by means of audio podcast, uh, then you might be interested to know that starting this week, uh, our sermons are, are on video uh, and online on video. That's kind of a big step for us. We're excited. If you're interested in how to, how to find those, talk to Andrew Causey. He's, he's the smart guy. I'm not. Uh, there is a website called Vimeo, V-I-M-E-O, Vimeo. If you go to Vimeo uh, and uh, subscribe to Woodburn Baptist Church, you can uh, have our sermons every single week on video uh, online. And that's pretty exciting. I, I was pretty excited about that. And then I had lunch with a pastor this week. Uh, he said, what's new at your church? I said, well, we're we got video online now. And, and then he showed me his church has its own iPhone app. Uh, it's just, yeah, I know. Uh, I was real excited, and I'm still excited. Last Sunday night at the Creek was one of the most amazing nights of worship I've ever experienced. And, and so blessed to be a part of Woodburn Baptist Church. We baptized 33 in the Creek. 33 in the Creek. Our, our baptismal goal, we wanted to see... 60 people saved this year, and last Sunday we baptized our 61st for the year with four months to go. Uh, so excited about that. Praise God. Uh, I mean, I can't tell you how excited I was. And then Monday, I went and I checked a, a fellow pastor. I, I read his blog every week, and uh, they had 120 saved on Sunday. Praise the Lord. I know. I know. Of course, praise the Lord. Of course, praise the Lord. But, you know, I still think, wow, 33 sounded so good. And 120 sounds great. I mean, 120 is great. But you know what I'm saying? It's just like no matter what we do, somebody else is, is flying people to the moon on rocket ships. And, you know, it's interesting. And I want us to talk about this this morning. I want us to talk about how even though God loves us all the same, we don't all receive the same from the Lord, not as pastors, not as individual believers. And sometimes that's puzzling. Sometimes it's interesting. And I can't explain to you why for us it's 33 and why for, for my brother in another state it's 120 a week. I mean, praise God for him in his ministry. I, I rejoice in that. But there's that part of me, and I'm just being honest, that part of me that says, wow, God, if you're looking for a church that wants to save 120 people a week, why not Woodburn? Well, why not us? Why do other churches, and I'm sure that people look at our church and, and they might somehow admire the favor that we receive from God. I want us to think this morning about that idea of God's favor. God's favor. We know that God's love is the same for everybody. His love is unconditional, but, but it's apparent in Scripture. And it's apparent in life that though he loves us the same, he doesn't necessarily give us the same or, or always treat us the same. Let's talk about that from Scripture. Luke chapter 1, I want us to think about the, the idea of God's favor today and, and what that means for our lives. Taking Luke chapter 1, it ain't even Christmas, but we're going to do the story of the angel Gabriel appearing to a teenage girl named Mary who is highly favored. Pay attention. Watch the favor this morning and watch it spill over into your own life. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. This is good stuff. This is good stuff, and this is for you. Luke 1, 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. 
She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, say the words, favored woman, highly favored woman, the Lord is with you. Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found, say the words, Favor with God. Don't be afraid. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. (laughs) People used to say she was barren, but now she's in her sixth month. Let that soak in. For nothing is impossible with God. Let that soak in. May he responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And the angel left her. <laughs> so good. So good. May everything you have said about me come true, Mary says, and the angel left her. Uh, a few months ago, my family, we were, we were taking a trip. We were flying. Uh, we were at the airport. We don't fly very often. We're just, we're just not those people. I, I get pretty excited in the airport. Once I'm through security, uh, I'm just like a kid at Christmas. I, I, just, I just think the airport's fun. Um, my wife is usually, y'all know Casey, pretty down-to-business lady. And so at the airport, she's not overly excited. She's organizing our tickets and watching the signs and, you know, keeping me from wandering off, I, I guess. I said, Casey, I'm going to go get something to drink because, you know, we've got an hour to kill now, and I just want something to drink. If you guys know me, I'm pretty much addicted to Diet Coke, Diet Mountain Dew, and I was going to go through the airport, find the biggest, biggest bucket of Diet Coke I could have because, you know, on the airplane, they don't don't give you nothing. And so I was going to get, you know, like a Diet Coke that would last me to Honduras. That was my plan. But but Casey said, you don't want to drink now. You don't want to drink. What's she thinking? You don't want to drink because, and this is her words, you don't want to drink, you'll have to go to the bathroom on the airplane. Okay, to which I reply, I, I, I try to be, you know, I, when you got to correct your wife, you want to do it politely. I said, honey, that's why they have bathrooms on the airplane. That, that's why they have bathrooms on the airplane. So I went, I, I got the, what was it, like a $15 Diet Coke at, at the airport. <laughs> I came back. I was so happy. I slurped on that thing. I read books, and I waited. We got on the airplane. I still took this giant Diet Coke with me. I'd been drinking now for about a solid hour. Got on the plane, sat down, and I mean, about the time they said fasten seatbelts, about the time that seatbelt tightened around my bladder, I thought, oh, my goodness. <laughs> this is exactly, this is exactly what Casey was telling me about, but I don't want her to know, so I just smile at her and buckle it. And I just start thinking. So I just sort of suddenly, you know, at the airplane, the, the, the bathroom's always in the back. And so I, I look back once they said we could, you know, feel free to move around the cabin. And so me and my bladder look back. And they're like 200 people on the plane. And at that moment, they were all in line for the one 
toilet. Now, have you been to the bathroom on an airplane lately? The, the toilet is approximately six inches smaller than the refrigerator in my kitchen. I'm serious. It's a very, very small thing, and there's this little, little bitty tin bowl that is a toilet. And there is one tin bowl for 200 of us, and 199 of them are in line. The only person on that plane who does not have to go to the bathroom at that moment is Casey. Casey. Yeah, Casey. Casey, yeah. She hadn't gone yet. She's awesome. Yeah. So... I am bursting, bursting, and I'm looking back at the line to the, to the toilet, and then I looked forward. Now, y'all know, you ever look forward? It just, it's depressing to look forward in an airplane for me because forward is first class, first class. You know that? And, and, and while back here, there are 200 of us packed in, you know, like cattle. At the front, there are six people lounging in, in burka loungers. There are like six people up there in first class, and those six people are sharing a king-size first-class bathroom. You know that? They have their own bathroom up there. There is one tin pot for 200 of us back here, but there is a, a luxurious French porcelain bidet that six people up front are sharing. And as far as I could see past that velvet curtain, none of them are using it. So what am I thinking? That velvet curtain will not keep me back here. I, can, I mean, I, I could slip right through there, and they would just probably think that, you know, I'm a first-class person that stepped back to talk to, you know, the, the little people in the back, and now I'm coming back. I just thought for a minute, maybe I could slip through that curtain. It's just a Velcro thing that, that fastens it. It's not the holy of holies up there, people. It, it's just six more people that happen to have... A, a can to themselves. So what do you think I did? Oh, I waited for the back. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going up there. You can't go up there. You know this, don't you? You can't go up there. If I wet all over myself at 40,000 feet, I can't go past that velvet curtain. Those are first-class people up there. First class and, and, and the rest of us, lower class, I, I reckon. But you can't go to first class no matter what. You can't go up there. There's a curtain. You see, I don't really understand exactly the difference between me and them because once we get off the plane, we're all the same again. But in that moment, we're separated. There's a difference. It's first class and all the rest of us. And honestly, sometimes in the kingdom of God, it seems like God has a kind of velvet curtain that separates the first class, the first class disciples, the first class Christians from, from the rest of us. And you read the Bible, and honestly, you can make a pretty good case for that. It really seems like God's got some, some first class people, some people that get extra attention, uh, maybe extra power, some people who get extra favor. And that's the biblical word. The word is favor. Now, we know God loves us all the same. He does. God made us. He created us. He saved us. He loves us all the same. God is no respecter of persons. The Bible says that through and through. I preached last week about how God is just. His goodness is always wedded to impartiality. However... All through the Bible, you can see that there are individuals that, that somehow land on God's radar in a different way. 
and they find favor with God. Favor. Mary is one of these people. She's a teenage girl in a world full of teenage girls, but somehow God singles her out. She catches God's eye in a different way, and she is the recipient of such an amazing blessing to to be the mother of God's son. Why her? The angel says, greetings, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. You have found favor with God. He says it twice in case you missed it. This girl is favored. Favored. The word favor sounds like favorite. Does God have favorites? Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And what happened? God destroyed the entire world, entire world with the flood. But he saved Noah and his family because Noah found favor. Favor, apparently, is a very important thing. But it doesn't seem to be distributed evenly. Moses found favor with God, and God allowed Moses to behold his glory as he passed by in the cleft of the rock. Moses received an incredible favor from God and and was able to behold his glory. The scripture says that Moses would go into the tent of meeting and talk to God face to face. That's amazing, and that, my friends, is, is favor. Not everybody gets that. Moses... Moses received that. Esther found favor with God and it allowed her to stand brave and triumphant before the king. Ruth found favor with God and it changed the entire course of her life. She becomes in the line of of Jesus the Messiah. Ruth, an ordinary widow woman that God, God finds favor with. And all through scripture you continue to find not a great number but individuals individuals sprinkled through there that are different from everybody else because they find favor with God. Favor. Obviously, this is a fundamental, fundamental biblical principle, the idea of God's favor. And obviously, it's important and something wonderful. So what is it, and is it possible for me to have that? I want some of that if it's available. But is it available like that? I mean, what does it mean? I said that the word favor sounds like the word favorite. Does God have favorites? Does God play favorites? To be real honest with you, I've not preached much on the favor of God because I got burned out on it. I have a friend, and I love my friend. He's a friend I've had since college. He's Pentecostal, and God bless him. I I love the way he loves the Lord. However, he wears this favor thing out. And even in college, he would preach to me about the favor of God and how we should all pray for favor. But for him, favor meant something, something different. For him, if you had God's favor, it meant that you would never get sick. He believed in divine health. He still does. He believes that, that because of God's favor, if you, if you pray for God's favor, then therefore God will favor you and, and you won't get sick like everybody else gets sick. He, my friend believes in divine health. He also believes in divine wealth. He believes that if you find favor with God, then God will bless you with money. Bless you with money. In other words, you don't really have to work if you have God's favor because God will just provide. Now, all these years after college, my friend still struggles with going to work because, honestly, he wants to live off God's favor. 
divine health, divine wealth. My friend would also say if you got God's favor and you're speeding down the interstate at say 85 or 90 miles an hour and a police officer pulls you over, he won't give you a ticket because you've got favor. You see, he believes it spills over. That If you've got favor with God, then you'll have favor with everybody else and the doors will just fly open everywhere you go. God is going to do favors for you. You see that? God's going to do favors for you. He's going to bless you. He's going to make sure that you go to the front of every line. You're never going to be sick. You're never going to have a speeding ticket. You will never know the heartbreak of psoriasis. I, I don't believe that, just to be blunt. I, I don't believe that. And, and there are those who have preached a lot about God's favor, but, but that's the way they've preached it. And it doesn't even seem remotely biblical to me at that point. Not even remotely biblical. I cannot imagine that God plays favorites like that. That, that. that if you seek him in a certain way or, or give the right amount of money to the right evangelist that you don't ever have to have cancer. That's not acceptable to me as a Bible reader. It's simply not acceptable. So to be real honest, for years and years, it's just simply a whole category in scripture I've ignored. I've not preached it because I didn't know how to preach it and not sound like that. But last fall, uh, I attended a church in North Carolina called Elevation, heard a man named Stephen Furtick preach, and Stephen Furtick was doing a two-part series on the favor of God, and he's a Baptist, not a Pentecostal, and, and honestly, it lit me up. He, 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 brought, he brought me back to the scriptural, the scriptural teaching of what favor is, and how important it is, and how God's favor is for me and for you. So what is it? I'm telling you, having the favor of God is not the same as having God do you favors. And I know that in some ways that's what you would prefer, but that's not what it is. Understand, God does not exist to serve you. And he's not going to humble himself to serve you. He's God, and you're not. And you will never be higher than him, and you will never be Lord over him, and he is never, ever going to be your heavenly messenger boy. He's never going to do that for you. God's not going to do favors for you. That's not what his favor's about. He doesn't exist to serve you. You exist to serve him. So no matter how you perceive of God's favor, understand, it is a humbling thing. It puts you beneath God. It puts you in the very place where God can begin to command your life. So God's favor is not the same as God's doing you favors or, or receiving favors from God. However, it's all through Scripture. What exactly is favor? What is favor? Back to this Scripture, Luke chapter 1 with me. Gabriel appeared to Mary and said, Greetings, favored one, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You have found favor with God. Now turn in your Bibles back a few, a few pages to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6. Look at this verse with me. Now, in the New Living Translation, you're not going to find the word favor, but I'll show you where it is. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6. 
Paul is speaking about all Christians, and he says, so we praise God for the glorious grace. But right there, the word translated grace, it's the same word that the angel uses for Mary when he says you have found favor with God. It's that same word. That word favor comes from the root where we get the word grace. You understand? To have God's favor is always an act of grace. God isn't good to me because I'm good. God isn't good to me because I'm cute. God isn't going to show me favor because I've done anything to deserve that beyond anyone else. God is good to me because God is good. You understand? It's grace. So when Paul says we praise God for the glorious favor he has poured out on us, do you understand? He says right there that God's favor is poured out on all of us. It's poured out on all of us. We are all highly favored. So that same word that is used to apply to Mary when the angel Gabriel says, greetings, highly favored one, that same word is the word Paul uses when he greets the Christians at the church at Ephesus and he says God has poured out, poured out his favor on all of us. So whatever God's favor is or is not, it is not something that you measure in comparison to other people. It's not that sort of thing. It's, it's not in any way that we could say that God plays favorites, that, that God somehow favored Mary above others. It's not that. Favor is grace. It's grace. So when we talk about God's favor, we're always talking about his kindness beyond what we would possibly expect or beyond what we could possibly deserve. God's kindness toward all of us always exceeds, way exceeds whatever we could deserve. And it's not compared to other people. The same grace, the same favor is poured out upon all of us. So you're highly favored. Do you understand that? You're highly favored. But you may not feel it, and you may not walk in it. You may not feel it, and you may not be walking in it. But, but God's favor is for you. Here's, here's a definition. Write this down. Write it down. It's important. It's not my words. It's Stephen Furtick, Pastor Stephen Furtick. This is the definition he gave last fall that really changed the way I, I've thought of this concept. Stephen Furtick's definition of God's favor is this. God's favor is the guarantee of his presence. God's favor is the guarantee of his presence and the provision of his power. The guarantee of his presence, the provision of his power to fulfill his unique purpose in and through your life. God's favor is the guarantee of his presence, the provision of his power to fulfill his unique purpose for your life. Now let's take that apart together. It is the guarantee of his presence. Whenever you find, whenever you find God's favor mentioned in scripture, it will typically be accompanied with the promise of his presence. What does the angel say to, to Mary? Greetings, highly favored one. What comes next? The Lord is with you. Greetings, highly favored one. You have found favor with God. The Lord is with you. God's favor has something important to do with God's presence. 
It is his presence. Whenever you find God's favor in Scripture, look, and you'll find also the guarantee of his presence. Flip back to uh, Exodus chapter 33 with me. Exodus chapter 33. This is the passage that we, uh, we treated on Wednesday night together in Bible study. This is a very beautiful and important story also about God's favor. This is with Moses right before he beholds God's glory in the cleft of the rock. God has already declared to Moses that Moses has God's favor, but Moses is, is in a very difficult position before God, and this is what he says. It's Exodus, Exodus chapter 33, verse 15. Then Moses said, If you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know that you have favor on me? How will anyone know that I found favor with you on me and on your people if you don't go with us? For your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all other people on the earth. So, so what's the deal here? Moses is called to lead God's people, but at this particular moment, because of God's wrath and because of the people's sin at the golden calf, God is now saying, you can take the people to the promised land, but I'm not going with you. This is what God says. I mean, read the chapter. God says, I'm not going with you. If I were to go with you, I'd kill you before we get there. I'm not going with you. And Moses says, how will anybody know? How can you possibly say that I found favor with you if you don't go with me? Moses understands that God's favor, God's favor is connected to God's presence. If God is not with him, then he cannot have God's favor. Moses gets that. That's why Moses stands right there and says, if you're not going with me, I'm not moving. I will not move without you. I will not move unless your presence moves me. I'm not going anywhere, God, unless you personally go with me. Moses understands favor. This is favor. It's not, it's not hoping that God will give you health or wealth or that God will get you out of your speeding tickets. It's not hoping that God will somehow do tricks for you and favors for you and always be there to bail you out. It is an absolute dependence and longing for God's presence. God's favor comes with his presence. You want to live your life in the presence of God. You want God's presence to be so real to you that you would know the difference when you're with God and when you stepped away from God. His presence has to be that important to you. Now, I know that that's challenging for some of you because statistics say that a third of all the people that go to church every Sunday, a third of the people who go to church every Sunday say that they have never felt God's presence. A third. And if our congregation is typical, that means that a third of you, one big section in this congregation, a third of you would say you've never even felt God's presence. So when Moses says, I'm not leaving unless I know that you go with me, you'd be stuck because you don't feel his presence. You don't feel God moving in or, or moving out of circumstances of your life. You, you don't know God like that. And this is what I'm telling you. If you want to seek God's favor, if you want the guarantee of his presence, then you need to learn to practice living in God's presence. You need to learn to know him. Now, being in God's presence doesn't mean that you always feel his presence. Can I make that clear? I don't always feel God's presence with me, but I know he's with me. It's faith. I'm walking by faith, not by feelings. I know that God is with me because God has promised to be with me. And with his presence comes his favor. 
I want his presence with me. I want to live my life in his presence, not just in worship on Sunday, but every single moment of every day of my life. I don't want to make a move unless I know that God is moving with me. I want to follow his presence throughout my whole life, and that's how we receive God's favor. You have to be in his presence. You see, this is the thing. Some of us just sort of figure that that we'll call ourselves Christians and then we'll go through life and God will follow us. That we'll call the shots, we'll go wherever we want, we'll do whatever we want to do, and then God, his job is just to come along behind us and bless us. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. You have the guarantee of God's presence as long as you will walk with God. But understand, if you're not living in God's presence now, it's not God that up and left you. You have left God, and you need to come back to God. He won't go chasing after you. You return to God. You seek his presence. You live your life in such a way where you know that that his holiness will will be blessed to dwell with you. You you have to seek his holiness. You, You have to want to be with God. This is my struggle in so many premarital counseling sessions these days. Because so many couples will come to me already living together. Already living together. And God bless them. I know a lot of them are just trying to do the best they can with their lives. But so many don't even understand why in the world that they shouldn't live together. You see, it's this really strange contradiction of of wanting to come to church and get married and have God bless your relationship. But you're not necessarily in a relationship that God can bless. Do you understand? You can't live a life of sin and then expect God to bless that. You, you can't have God's favor. You can't have God's blessing when you defy God with your actions, with your choices. You have to seek his presence. You have to long for God. Moses says, I'm not leaving. I'm not going to do anything. I won't move from this place unless you move with me. That's that's the desire for God's presence. And you wonder why Moses has God's favor. Because he stays in God's presence. It's the guarantee of God's presence. You want God's presence with you. You don't want to make a move unless you know that God's presence is moving with you. You've got to learn to dwell and live in his presence. Because his favor is the guarantee of his presence and the provision of his, say the word, power. The provision of his power. It's amazing. Look at the story. Back in Luke chapter 1, wherever that is now. I've got my Bible twisted. Luke chapter 1. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you'll name him Jesus He'll be the very great and be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. And Mary said, how? How? It is a biological question. It is a sociological question. She's nobody. She's a poor Teenage girl in the middle of a hillbilly hick town. And God says, you are going to give birth to the one who's going to be king of the world. And she says, how? How? God's power. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. 
This is where a lot of us uh, get stuck. It's where we don't get to enjoy the favor and power of God because we don't want to be overshadowed. We want to be in the spotlight. We want to be seen. We want to be known. We want the credit. We want the praise. We want to be famous. We don't want to be in the shadows. But with God's favor comes this incredible shadow. It is the shadow of his power. It will overshadow you. And I promise you, you want that. You want to be overshadowed by his power. I promise you want that, although at first you're going to think you don't. Because here's the the truth about the favor of God. If you're thinking like my Pentecostal friend, and God bless him, if if you're thinking like, like my friend, that God's favor means your life gets easier, you're going to be sorely, sorely disappointed. You're going to be very, very surprised if you're thinking that God's God's power in your life, that his favor upon your life makes your life easier. You haven't read the Bible yet. I mean, are you really paying attention to this story? When Gabriel says, guess what, Mary? You're going to have a baby. It's going to be the Son of God. He's going to be great. He's going to overshadow you. That's good news. It's also hard news. Do you understand what this means for her? She's planning a bridal shower that now is going to have to turn into a bridal slash baby shower. Explain that to your mama. Start explaining to mama how I promise mama the baby's God's. It's God's baby. It's God. Yeah. Explain it to Joseph because Mary's going to have to do this. You're going to have to have a talk with Joseph about why she's getting a little thick in the middle. She's going to have to explain these things. Did you understand this? Her life did not just get easier. Her life just got much, much harder. Every time the favor of God falls on somebody in scripture, their life gets messed up in a glorious way, but messed up. I mean, I said that Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord, and God did let him live. I mean, destroyed the world in the flood, and Noah and his family got to live. And you think, that sounds great. I mean, everybody in the world wiped out. There will no longer be a line at Cheddar's. You understand? Everybody's gone, but but my goodness, what Noah had to do, what Noah had to see and, and live through. If you're thinking that God's favor means your life gets easier, you're, you're wrong. Your life gets harder. Because understand, God's favor does mean that God's going to be good to you. Not not because you're good or you deserve it, but God will be good to you because he is good. And he wants to show others who he is through your life. He wants to have glory and receive glory from your life. And and that means your life is going to be lived in such a way that's going to point to him. And that means that God's power is going to overshadow you, which means, of course, that God's power is going to work in your life in a way that that demonstrates that God is Lord over every circumstance. Guess what? That means you're going to have some circumstances. You're going to end up going through things and, and fighting battles and facing things that honestly would destroy a person who does not have God fighting for her. You're going to have to live through things that would kill a normal person, and yet you will be able to stand because God is able to make you stand. Nothing is impossible with God. And if God is going to reveal himself as this God for whom nothing is impossible, if he's going to show himself through your life, guess what? You're going to have to do some impossible things. 
so that people will know that God is a God of power. His power is going to overshadow you, and that does not make your life easier. Your life just got harder. Your life just got messed up. You just stepped into a realm now where it is not in your strength anymore. It is way beyond what you can accomplish on your own, far beyond what you could dream or imagine, and honestly, things you never, ever would have wished for. But but God is going to lead you through. God's favor is going to rest upon you, and you will have the guarantee of his presence and the provision of his power to fulfill God's unique purpose for your life. See, See, there's purpose Understand that there's purpose. God has a purpose for your life. And I can't tell you what that specific purpose is for your life. I know, though, it's the same as mine in the sense that it is God wanting to show his glory through you to, to other people, to the world. God wants other people to, to come to know him because of your life. And the same is true for mine. There's, there's a purpose the angel Gabriel appears to the teenage girl Mary on this particular night, says, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. That the Holy Spirit's power will overshadow you. And, and this is what's going to happen to your life. It, it's a purpose laid out. It, it's difficult. It's hard. It's surprising. There's going to be a, a price that Mary's going to pay. There's a purpose to that. And there's a purpose to your life. You, you want God's favor, you understand you'll never know his favor until you begin to live and fulfill his purpose for you. You know why my, my, my brother, the, the pastor, will see over a hundred saved today and we may not see anybody? I, I, I don't know. I just know that God's purpose for him and that church is different than God's purpose for me in our church. I praise God for our 33. I'm delighted in that. that. That's far and beyond anything that we could accomplish on our own. Understand, it's, it's a different purpose. It's not that God's playing favorites. It's just that his purpose for me is not the same as his purpose for you. So he will, he will deal differently in my life. I'll receive manifestations of his power different from you. And you will be able to experience things different from me. It's the same love. It's the same grace. But it's a different purpose. A, a, a different purpose. I, I just want a congregation that, that seeks God's favor and lives underneath God's favor, but I want us to understand what that is. It's, it, it's certainly a, a devotion, a longing for God's presence. It's, it's absolutely an overshadowing of God's mighty power, but it is, it's most importantly a a seeking and a fulfillment of God's, God's purpose. I don't know what you think about Mary. Being Baptist and not Catholic, we, we tend to kind of, you know, just sort of shove her off till December every year. But uh, she is a model disciple. She is a model disciple. And I call your attention to verse 38. You want to know why Mary would find favor with God? Verse 38, Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. Would you pray that? 
Would you say that? Would you just simply say, I am the Lord's servant. God, I live for you. I exist for you. I am here to serve you. I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. Would you pray that? Would that really express the longing of your heart? Would you really be willing to say to God, God, everything you want for my life, that's what I want. I want everything you want for me. Would you pray that? Would you live that way? Because what I'm saying is this. When, when that is your attitude, when that is the true condition of your heart, then you are going to live with God's favor. That is the person that God can bless. That is the person that will bring glory to God. That is the person that God will use. God's favor is, is the guarantee of his presence and, and the provision of his power to accomplish his unique purpose for your life. Find that purpose and you will know his favor. Pray with me. God, truly, we live to serve you. We are your servants to command. God, forgive us for rushing through our lives with, without any awareness of your presence or even your absence. Forgive us, Lord, for living our lives as if we can make whatever choice we make and then it's your job to fix it, to bless it, to smile upon us, to continue, Lord, acting as if you have no opinion for us, Lord. It is your purpose that we seek, your presence that we long for, your power that strengthens us for life every day. God, we long to experience your favor. God, I know that there are people in this house who never in their lives have, have turned, turned things over to you. Never, Lord, have they prayed anything like Mary's prayer. Never have they said, Lord, what you want for me, whatever you want for me, Lord, that's what I want too. Lord, I pray for a spirit of surrender like that in this house. I pray for lost people to get saved today, simply coming to you, Lord, to surrender to you. And Lord, I pray for proud, stubborn Christians, Lord, who follow you in name only, who, who come on Sunday, Lord, and sing praises to you, but live lives that you cannot possibly bless. Lord, I pray that we would be men and women and young people and children who enjoy your favor because we simply want you and want everything that you want for us. Oh, Lord Jesus, we are your servants. Now command us, and we will obey you, and we will live with your favor. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.